Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Travelling with a child under three to different countries with lots of different flights is my idea of torture. Or rather, I can't even muster the energy to think about it. And I've just had a holiday. Toddlers are perhaps defined by their resemblance to ever-ready batteries and an inability to stay still. But my next guest says that travelling with her toddler son is the best thing she's ever done. Tracy Withers is a freelance writer who spent a month travelling Europe with her 19-month-old son, Benji. Hi, Tracy. How are you? Hi, I'm really well. Thanks for having me. Now, I know you've done the trip now and you say it was great. It was. Pre-trip, you must have had your doubts. Oh, but probably fewer than other people had about me. (laughs) So I'm pretty sure people thought that I was crazy before I left or I'd certainly be nuts by the time I got back. But um, maybe I'm just a little bit, you know, naive or something, but I just threw myself in pretty, pretty fearlessly in a way. I thought I'd plan for the worst, but expect it to be the best. I love that attitude. Um, So let's clarify, because you went on your own with Benji. You do have a partner, though. I do, yes. I'm not a single mum. I have an awesome partner, David, Benji's dad, who was really kind and let me go off on this adventure. So it sort of came about because we were invited to a wedding in France. And by the time, you know, I stuck that invitation to the fridge, I had six weeks of glorious family holiday mapped out and I was really committed and into it. And then, you know, David said, oh, I can't get away from work for longer than than two weeks. But by then I was so into it and I've always been a solo traveler. So I just thought, why not? Let's do it. So Benj and I went off for, you know, four-ish weeks by ourselves, three countries, 10 flights, some long distance trains, hire cars, the whole shebang. And then David met us for another two weeks in France. <laughs> oh, I like that it happened at the end. Yes. So that's yes. when you could so just go. Just lay down. Phew. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you said three, country, Fra- three countries. France mm-hmm. was obviously one of them. Where yes. else did you go? Italy and a little bit of the UK. And we stopped off in Singapore on the way there and the way back. Okay. There are so many questions I have about <laughs> this. Um, but let's just start with the basics. Mm-hmm. Why is it so good to travel with a toddler? Let's start with the positive before I ask all those questions that are nagging me in the back of my brain. I think for me, it's because that is what really fills my soul up and has always expanded my brain and made me feel really invigorated. And, you know, traveling or your toddler? Both. But, you know, before toddler, it was all about the traveling. But, you know, he's going to listen to this at some point, maybe one day. So it's all about you, baby. But, um, you know, but both. And so I thought, well, I have this opportunity. And the thing that made me really feel confident that I could do it is that I'm in the same boat as so many mums, you know, you know, not just single mums, but certainly single mums, but mums who have really wonderful partners who are just working really hard and doing the best they can. And everybody's, you know, crushing it. But mum ends up doing stuff a lot of the time alone anyway. And we'd attempted family holidays before. We'd been to Hawaii and and David was there and he was awesome, but he, you know, work descended upon him at the last minute and he barely left the hotel or the beach house that we were in and Benj and I were rolling around exploring anyway and that made me feel really able and being able to do that 
just at home. We'd done road trips together, little holidays that David ended up having to bail out of at the last minute anyway. So I just figured, well, I've got this at home, so I'll have this abroad. I can do it. That actually, I think, is probably key to this whole experience. I know that when my kids were smaller, that I was just knuckled, knuckled down. I was terrified to kind of go too far because they'd get out of their routine or right, or right, maybe sure. I'd get out of the routine. I'm not sure what sure. it was. So sure. in, in a way, do you feel like that's kind of the first step to enjoying the process is saying, we'll work it out. It, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I always say what's the best that could happen. And I feel like I just try and put that positive, um, I guess, approach on on everything that I do with parenting. Not that I'm a parenting expert. He's my first one. I don't know what I'm doing. So maybe there's a bit of that. You know, maybe I'm just naive, naive and throwing myself in. So there's probably an upside to that as well. But I certainly just decided, you know, we, we can do it. You know, I figured I had nothing really to lose. He, as it turns out, Benji's a pretty awesome sleeper. And people said to me, what if you break the baby? And I didn't, what if I break the baby? But I figured, well, I've got nothing to lose. I know we can do this. And had he not been a sleeper, and, you know, I can't really speak for that experience because I've not had it. But, you know, and I'm sure there's mums yelling at me, I haven't slept in six months. But having said that, maybe I would have thought, well, I've got nothing to lose anyway. And we're not really, uh, you know, really detail-oriented routine family anyway. Benja's always been kind of loosey-goosey. We just roll with it. Maybe that's because I'm a crap mom. I don't know. But, you know, we seem to roll with it. So I just thought if we can do it here, we can do it there. Speaking of sleep, though, travelling internationally can Mm -hmm. be challenging for for your sleep patterns, even when you don't have a small child who tends not to sleep when you want to sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you manage that kind of experience, let's say, if it was on a long-haul flight or if you were just getting to that point where you felt extremely jet-lagged and you Mm -hmm. just wanted to put your head down and sleep and Benj is like, woohoo, I'm here. Well, he did. He was woohoo, I'm here (laughs) all the way from Sydney to Singapore. So I did stagger my trips. So I went from Sydney to Singapore and then from Uh, Singapore to Dubai and then a break and then from Dubai on to London. So I did what I could to break it up for myself because all of the responsibility for that was on me. But I also, I thought maybe he'll sleep, maybe he won't. I knew very probably for a lot of it that he wouldn't. But I just figured, well, you know, I've done sleepless nights. He's he's been through teething, you know, ear infections, whatever it else that has trained us, most mums, into sleep-deprived ninjas. And I just decided to think that... Even if it was a sleepless 30 hours, it was the most hellish 30 hours ever, there'd be an end point. The plane was going to land. I'd get off. I'd work it out. I've done it before. And there was an awesome reward at the end. I was doing it for something. So and how did it I'd go anyway? Um, it actually went really well. Bless him. He was a champ. So, well, he was a bit of a nightmare on the way from Sydney to Singapore in as much as he just it was a day flight, so he didn't want to nap and he was really psyched. And he's such an extrovert that I knew pretty much he was just going to be running up and down those aisles. And he did. He was high-fiving everyone and eating all the food. And, but he had an <laughs> awesome time. And I knew that was coming. So I didn't expect any different. And I think that helped. And then the rest of the time, we, we spent a night in Singapore, which was great. It was enough time for me to recharge but it was not enough time for him to get a full, solid 10, 12-hour sleep in. So he was still a bit tired for the rest of the time, which meant he was happy enough to nuzzle into me and carry on, which was just luck. I didn't 
know what I was doing. You know, it could have gone the other way, but hey-ho, it didn't. It didn't, and it worked out. Right. So um, you've got the flights sort of sorted, and you've got the attitude that we're going to look for the best possible outcome, not the worst. Mm -hmm. You're already a solo traveller before you had kids, but is it potentially lonely? Um, Because there is one thing when you have a small child, it's not the easiest way to, to... Sometimes it's the best way to strike Mm, up a conversation, but it depends on the child and how they're behaving. Right. How did it work for you for those four weeks? I mean, it sounds like Benji's awesome company, but there are times when you want to chat to adults as well. Sure, sure. How did you navigate that part of it? Well, we actually ended up only alone when we really wanted to be or when I really wanted to be. And, you know, I found that, you know, kids are the best icebreakers ever. So, you know, he's really brazen and bold in that way the toddlers are and he'd sidle up to someone's table and, mmm, and nick their, <laughs> their breadsticks and all of a sudden I'd be talking to them. And Or he'd meet, he, I remember he met a, a lovely little girl in a, a playground in Rome and her name was Julietta and he was eating panini with her and that was really sweet and I got talking to their parents and then the parents invited us to join them across the uh piazza in a little tutorial for dinner and we did that and it was really beautiful and that happened so often and sometimes it didn't and that was that was fine too and other than that I found in places like London where you know I've got mates but you know they're single you know they don't necessarily want to go to I went to the play called Dean City Farm and you know they've got little animals and stuff a really kid-oriented thing and um I found an app it's called Mush and I signed up to the local app and hooked up for a play date with a local mum and you can find that almost anywhere there there are mothers groups everywhere and there are a lot of expat mothers groups almost in every city you could find that you can tap into if you want to it wasn't lonely at all and um I'm kind of curious about the experience I know that you love traveling and part of you wanted Mm -hmm. to go and I love that spirit of I'm not going to change just because I have a kid but in that process, and I don't want to bring you down because you are so positive, what <laughs> no. were the main challenges for you? Well, I think the main challenges were the things that that you have to do for travel. When you're traveling alone, I was always kind of just winging it. You know, I just show up somewhere and suss it out and, and that was part of the fun. But of course, traveling with a toddler made that absolutely impossible. So before I left, I had to plan everything meticulously. I knew every single day detail. I knew what time I was landing. I had someone to meet me. I was going off somewhere. I was very, very security conscious. And um, when I tell you this, I'm going to sound a little bit crazy and maybe I am, but I did things like while we were away and even when I was, you know, having dinner with a lovely family I'd met, I never would have gone too far out of the way with someone I'd just met. I never would have taken any type of risk at all. I didn't tell anyone we were traveling alone, even when I was having a conversation with them, I'd just fib or I'd let them believe that daddy was back at the hotel or just around the corner or I was meeting a friend in a few minutes. So I never let anyone really cotton on to the sense that I was on my own. I didn't even book hotel accommodation or Airbnbs for one person and a child. It didn't impact any of the price. So I booked it for two adults and a child. And now that I said out loud to you, I do sound crazy. (laughs) Maybe it is crazy, but it made me feel safer, you know, because that was the biggest consideration really. I knew logistically I could do it because I'd planned really meticulously. It was the, the responsibility of having my most precious thing with me like loosey-goosey around the world, you know, with, without in often in places where I didn't know anybody, that was the biggest challenge. And so 
that's one of the things I did to overcome it. Yeah, that no. Well, I was going to ask you how much planning was involved, but so I think much. I get the feeling, even though you like rolling with it, I think you probably enjoyed the planning too. I did, you know, I did, and it was a really different way of experiencing places, probably a little bit more efficient, but also, so I rolled into places with, you know, a hot list of stuff I might want to do, things to experience, stuff to eat. And of course, in some places I did absolutely none of it because we were just rolling along with the day and I was following his cues and it was actually quite a release to travel alone. So I did spend time with friends in some places for a couple of days or I'd, you know, stop off and see family in London for a day or two. But I found it actually easier when we were on our own because we only had ourselves to please and I could follow his cues. I didn't have to worry about, you know, keeping him in a chair when somebody else was hungry or anything like that. So it was, it was quite a freedom, actually. I felt really off the hook in that sense. That sounds lovely. And it sounds like a beautiful experience for him in that way. It was. I which, hope so. Which brings me to that question mm. that another reason why I, I would probably not go to Europe at the moment, apart from the fact I don't, can't afford it, um, <laughs> which is obviously there is a big part of it, um, is that idea that children don't remember experiences yeah. when they're really young. And I know that people mm. have kind of said that to you. Yeah, for sure. They've said, you know, why go now while he's so young? Yes. What's your response to that? Well, there are two responses to that. Firstly, you know, and it's it's true that I had my own wobbles about that. You know, like like you were saying, it's not cheap to go. Um, and I thought to myself, oh, should I be putting all of those euros into his Dolomites account? You know, should I be investing that in something that's more for him? And then I thought, well, you know, there's no shame. There's nothing. There's nothing to be ashamed of in investing in myself in the same way. And maybe he won't remember it. Maybe it is all about me. But it's not like it's an unkindness for him or a torture for him. He's going to have a great time. And maybe he won't remember it, but I certainly will. And it'll bookmark a time in my life that you know, might have otherwise just, you know, been another month that rolled on after the month before, you know. So... It was a beautiful way for me to bookmark. It was a great way for me to do things that really, like I was saying, that stretch my mind and, and, and fill me up and make me feel like who I am. But interestingly enough, I do think that he got something out of it. And even if he doesn't actively remember it, I think that I discovered things about him that I always knew he was an extrovert and that he likes, you know, he likes to have a chin wag. But I found that he's really interested, fascinated and really good at language. And so that's something I've been pursuing since we got home. And as it happens, it's a really good question because a lot of people ask me this. I was talking to a mum who took her four-year-old son to the Peruvian Amazon by herself. Wow. And he was shy. And she said that taking him on that trip showed her how much more resilient he is than she ever knew. And watching the way that he coped with challenges and with changes and with different things that inspired him, she unlocked him a little and found out things about him that she could use back at home. She lives in London that would help her overcome his shyness at home. So he may not actively remember that, but he definitely got something out of it. I, I think there's a lot of stuff that they get out of it. And the one thing that I'm thinking of is when we talk about the first thousand days, so how important the first two oh, years right. are. Yeah, sure. And that's all about connection and love and knowing you're loved. And of course you can do that at home, but it sounds like you absolutely were more in the moment with him when you're away. Oh, for and sure. Sort of 
knocking about and follow, like that idea of following his cues. I love that. I love yeah. that being, him being your little tour guide in a yeah. very unexpected way. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was really good for us also. People ask me all the time, you know, weren't you really exhausted? You know, it's just you 24-7 moving around, lugging all of the stuff, you know, all of the logistics. And, yeah, that's true. But – I felt so invigorated by the release from the day-to-day. And I don't want to moan and say, you know, my my day-to-day is so monotonous and awful. It's not. I have a really great life and I'm really happy but um, and I'm really fortunate in a lot of ways. But it is a routine that you get locked into, you know, and the release from that was amazing. So it sounds like I should have been more exhausted but I actually wasn't and he was great with it, partly I know because that's how he's built but secondly, because he was so thrilled to exhaustion every single day. You know? <laughs> I love that. And then he so fell asleep. He'd be psyched and then he'd fall asleep. Oh, I so love that. He he loved it. And he was so he was on better behaviour than if he was bored at home. That oh makes sense? yeah, absolutely. And boys do love to be out and running. Yeah. Not to say girls don't, but sometimes boys really need it. And he so look, it. finally, one of those things when you go away and you come back is that you have in your mind, or I, at least I do, oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live when I go back home. And then you come back <laughs> home and reality sets in oh, and yes. the wheels start turning and things mm-hmm. fall back into place. Have you managed to keep anything sort of, any threads of that beautiful trip sort of going in your life now? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I mean, I'm always looking for the next travel opportunity and angling for it much to my poor partner's distress. <laughs> I'm, I've always got something on the go. But um, beyond that, just I guess it made me feel invincible as a parent, you know, not in a reckless way, <laughs> but in that way that makes you think, sure, I can do that. I, you know, I could jump on a plane and do a short trip. I can jump in the car and do, and I was pretty comfortable doing that before, but I feel really confident doing that now. And also, you know, things like his language, we do, you know, French playgroup and, you know, stuff like that, that is also great for me because it stretches me a little at the same time as it's stretching his mind. So, um, yeah, things like that. Absolutely. I think. And, you know, we eat more pizza now and it (laughs) makes everybody happy. That that is a very fine conclusion. Tracy, <laughs> thank you for coming in and inspiring us. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. That's Tracy Withers. She's a freelance writer and I'll put a few links up to Tracy's work and you can read further about this trip, this amazing trip she had in Europe with little Benji. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.